couldn't have a better setup. <laughs> I want to greet you all, brethren. It's been a feast indeed. The days move so fast that I'm not sure if today is Thursday. We've been having fun. And it says time flies when you're having fun. I want to give a special thank you to the Burlington Brethren for planning this feast. You know, personally, I have high expectation for the Brethren in Burlington, and they delivered. Well organized, well run, and we are happy with the messages. Thank you very much. The theme, a celebration of kings and priests. When I heard it, I said, how appropriate. At a time when the world is so puzzled about leadership. A time when there is so much uncertainty about the future. I don't know. Who can guess what's going to happen tomorrow with some of the, the people that are in charge of this world right now? There's just so much ifs and buts. During this feast, brethren, we learned that there is another way. And I think it was very clear that we need not look to men for solution, for hope, for a future. But we already have laid down for us a plan from the Almighty that will come to pass. And the celebration of kings and priests that we have today, it is going to happen in the future. We shall reign with Christ. And that is exactly what the Bible says. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the church because what happened this feast, the young men and all three ministers, what they delivered, there's harmony and there's depth. And that tells me that God is not done with this world yet. There are souls to be saved. There are many in error that needs to be corrected. And I believe the church of God has the answer. It is said in most things that the most difficult part is the start and the finish. <laughs> and so I want us to leave here today with something of substance. And what can I ever find for God's people? Not after such wonderful feast. But as the Holy Spirit is our guide and our counsel, the thought of our royal identity comes to mind. Now, let's leave here reaffirmed that we do have a royal identity. 
And there should be no question about that when we walk out of this hall. We are future kings and priests, and we have reason to celebrate that. Most of what I have to say have been said already. And so it's, it will be easy because the, ex, the scriptures were so well explained that you can just tap into your memory and um, the, the thoughts will come back. So the first thought I'd like to share with us is to remind us of the meaning of royalty again. And that is simply of or relating to a king, queen, or a sovereign. A royal identity. So whatever is relating to a king, queen, or sovereign, that's royal. The psalm that was read for the scripture reading tells us about the king who we are related to. We all know him. But let's read the psalm again and just think about our king and our connection to him because that's what we'll be exploring this afternoon. The Lord reigneth. He's clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is, is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Psalm 45, verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. God reigns with holiness, righteousness, and justice. And this is one of the thoughts I, I got from Psalm 47, 8, and Psalm 89, 14, that God not only rules over the universe, the physical universe, but his throne reaches some dimensions that only him have rulership over, such as holiness, his throne. He, he dominates the world of holiness. He rules over the realm of holiness. Righteousness. That's his dominion. He knows all about it. He rules over those 
attributes. Holiness, righteousness, and justice or judgment as some translation have it are some of the realms over which God rules. Now I think this is important because when we think of identifying ourselves with God all the attributes that God has we need to identify ourselves with them. If God is holy we're expected to be holy because we be like him. If he is righteous we are to be righteous. If he has good judgment we need to also have good judgment. Just thinking about the attributes of God puts me in awe. I tremble at his sovereignty. A God who is so powerful. Who knows the end of God? Some things, as much as we learn during this feast, brethren, it's, it's, it's just a little tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to be known because Paul himself says what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things which God has in store for them that love him. Then he says in 1 Corinthians 13, I think, that we know in part. So there's still a lot more to be known. So God is vast. He's magnificent. If he can control the, the winds and the waves and the seas and the oceans and everything, he can set up kings and put them down. How, why should I or any of us think that we are worthy to be identified with him in any way? He is just too big. So, brother, and I humble myself to his will. I humble myself to his ways because it is past finding out. And when we get a glimpse of his plans as it was unfolded and we see all that is in store for us, how could we respond in any other way than to give him our all? God himself is great. And if we are to be identified with him, then there's another question. A question that has been asked by several writers of the Bible. Job asks a question. David asks a question. And it's repeated in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. We'll read from verse 5. Hebrews 2. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection to the world to come, whereof we speak. So the writer here is saying that the world to come will not be ruled by angels. Angels. 
But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. So that's the pertinent question. A God who is so large, so great, so wonderful, and his son, Brother John, spoke of the power that his son has over time, over the material things. He can walk on water. All these miracles. A God who has all this power. What is man? And I think sometimes as we walk through this life, we tend to forget that when we come to the Lord and his spirit dwells in us, that we are no longer ordinary people. But the potential that we have through the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in us, to do things beyond our own abilities is tremendous. Brother Adrian spoke last night so much about the love of God and, and, and today again. How God loves, love his people. God love us, love his people. And there are many songwriters throughout the ages when they express the love of God that they experience. It brings tears to many eyes. Because how could a God so great love human beings with all our wayward ways? But according to Hebrews 2.7, God has crowned mankind with glory and honor and did set him over the works of his hands. Brethren, as vast as this creation is, man, mankind, is a dominant being. We may talk about the greatness of the lions and the bears and we may fear them, but no, man conquered everything. We are crowned with glory and, and honor. God has given us the glory and he has given us the honor. The Asian quoted Genesis 1.26 because this is where it matters. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Yes, God created man in his own image and likeness. 
And I'm going to quote here from the CGI, Systematic Theology, because there's a concept here that the church holds that I like to highlight because I just find it wonderful. So I read, I I quote from the CGI Systematic Theology Project, God created man in his image and after his likeness. But the creation process will not be complete until mankind is perfected spiritually. That is, has perfect godly character created in him and actually enters the God family. God initiates this process by calling a person. That is, opening his mind to understand, grasp, and be convicted by the truth of the Bible. It has been quoted over and over since Brother Rick gave this, the, the, the sermon that there's a difference with the image and the likeness. Created in his image, but to be like God is a process. And Brother John made that process very clear. So it's easy for us to put all of this together. We are striving to be like God. And the process is a spiritual one. One that we must understand, engage ourselves and go by the rules. So when God put man on the earth and gave him dominion over all things, yes, we have that potential. And I think mankind has done very well. We not only conquer the earth, but we are exploring space. We are, we, are, we are dominant. On the negative side, we have enough weapons of war to destroy ourselves ten times over. But one thing um, you know, we can be sure of is that with all these weapons of war, God is still in control. They can't fire one unless God gives them the permission to. So God is still in control. So looking at man and him being crowned with glory and honor. It is clear that God is not just satisfied with us having dominance over the elements of the earth. Fishing and the crafts and engineering and all the wonderful things. No. There's something more. And this, this, this other aspect of man that God wants to relate to is where he constantly reaches out to the world to find minds that are willing to hear and to move up to the higher calling. Adam 
in that beautiful garden, had it all, all made for him. But his fall created a problem, a crisis for humanity. And because mankind grows through reproduction, we all became Adam's children. Great, 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 great. The problem had to be fixed. And what we learn from scriptures is that God in his infinite wisdom, with his foreknowledge, with all that he knew, he actually made the fix before the world began. And I want us to read two, a few scriptures just to look at that. And one is Romans 8 and verse 30. Let's start from verse 29. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And Romans 8.30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. The fact that there was foreknowledge and plan shows that whatever happened throughout human history was not by accident. Romans 9.23 And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Romans 9.24 Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So, what we see outlined in these passages is the mastermind of God setting up a plan for man, whom he crowned with glory and honor from the beginning, to participate in a process, a redemptive process, to release mankind from the things that limits his full potential. And as I read earlier from our quote, wants to have us as a part of his own family. Let's just quickly look through that process, Virgin. After Adam failed, God seemed to be looking out for good men, men who we can depend on to carry out his will. And going through Genesis, we'll find Enoch was one who seemed to have done very well, huh? Because Enoch walked with God. And was not because God took him. And then he found a man called Abraham. And he, he called Abraham. Get out of your country. From your kindred. Unto a land that I will show you. 
This was a call that demanded a lot of faith. But Abraham stood up to the task. He responded to God. And God made a covenant with Abraham. Yes. Nations would come out of his loins. Land was promised to him. And according to Paul, all of us were in Christ Jesus. Are part of the fulfillment of that covenant with Abraham because we're all Abraham's seed. So wonderful. One man obeying God. Noah also stood out because when the world seemed to have been doing their own thing, walking away from God, God looked down and he saw Noah. Noah responded to his call and was able to save himself and his family. And of course, all the cattle that were on that boat. And God also made a covenant with Noah. But God seemed to continue to look for people because he loved mankind so much and he wants the fulfillment of the crowning glory. Virgin, we are here to celebrate what? Kings and priests. And so God is looking for kings and priests. So these two individuals, as good as they were, God wanted to identify a group of people. And so we find in Exodus 19 that he settled the problem. So let us quickly look at Exodus 19 from verse 3. And Moses went up unto God. And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice, Indeed, and keep my covenant, then he shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And verse 6 And he shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders of the people. And laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All the Lord had spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So Brother Adrian spoke about marriage today. I think this was one, uh, one of the greatest ceremony in the Old Testament. Because this powerful God that we're talking about, he left his dwelling, sanctify a holy mountain, and he came to meet his people, to establish a relationship, to establish his covenant. And the covenant he established there 
this nation, Israel, he said, you are my chosen. Above all the nations of the earth, he chose this nation. And he says, look, I want you to be a peculiar people to me. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. I just can't imagine the what the people experienced when they saw the cloud come down and they heard the voice of God speaking, all of these things. This was awesome. But this is where the relationship start, where man, the transformation from the flesh and the carnal and everything material to that which is to come, the spiritual began. On a wide level. So choosing Israel, he wants to be their God and their father. And according to Jeremiah 31, you know what he said? He was a husband to them. So this is really a marriage. So God wanted the people to be identified with him. So I'm talking about a royal identity. The king of kings and lord of lords chose a set of people to walk with him, to be identified with him as his chosen. And that makes all the difference. So in Jeremiah 31, again something happened. The people gladly responded then that they will obey God. Whatever the Lord says we will do. And God just asks two things of them. For you to be this royal priesthood and the holy nation and everything, you must obey my voice and listen to my words. That's all the requirements. But sadly, Israel didn't. So the prophet Jeremiah says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them said the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So Israel failed. And we just need to read Hebrew especially from chapter 8 to 10, to show that, that, that shows you that the old covenant was waning. And Jesus Christ became the mediator of a new covenant, a better covenant. And it is through Jesus Christ, brethren, the mediator of the new covenant, that God expanded the relationship that he started off with Israel to include the people that were afar off. 
Israel knew that it wasn't finished with Moses. And I'm going to quote Genesis 49.10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Moses saw in the future that there will be another prophet. That there will be a, a lawgiver, a ruler. And that ruler would come from the tribe of Judah. Israel noted this prophecy and they had been looking out for that lawgiver to come. That priest, king. And also Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Look at Acts 3.22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up Unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. So that was the Apostle Peter letting the people know that the prophesied Messiah, the prophet like unto Mo Mo Moses, had arrived. The people. Of course, we know in Acts 2, when they heard the gospel preached unto them, what did they say? Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Jesus Christ made the difference. When we look at Romans 8, we'll see where Paul says what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his, his son in the form of sinful flesh, conquered sin in the flesh. So what Moses and the, 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 the people of old try to accomplish by enforcement. There's a law up for this and a law for that. It didn't work because it was not powerful enough. But Jesus Christ, he made a difference. And so we find also in Jeremiah 31 that the law and I try to emphasize this whenever I get the opportunity. That those who think that they are under the new covenant and think that the law is of the old covenant, I wonder where their eyes are. Because it's clear in the scriptures that the law, which was in the old covenant, would be removed from the tablets and replaced into our hearts. That's the new covenant. 
And so I challenge any preacher out there who are disobeying God's commandments and teaching people to do so because they think that the law is done away with because you're under a New Testament or a New Covenant. Look back at your Bible. Because the, what happens now is that the law is even more enforced. That's why Paul called it the, 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 the law of liberty. Because now the law lives in us. Why is it that we should not commit adultery? Or Christians know that they should not steal? It is just because they have Jesus? It's because the law lives through Christ. We do have a work, work to do as a part of our priestly duty here. And I'm again thankful for the ministers who have been toiling, working hard at explaining the truth to the congregation and to the world. But as we try to consolidate things, brethren... I would just take it that we all know that we are in Christ. And our, our identity is without question. Romans 8.16 The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. Peculiar people. All that is required is that we match our behavior to our claimed identity. We're royal. Be royal. Show that you are children of the king. I mean, this is not fairy tale. This is real. We have a real God and we are his children. And the spirit bear witness. And not only that, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Do we want it better than that? Jesus prayed in John 17. I think we'll leave with this prayer. Conclude with this prayer. Verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. 
And let's go down to verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, that is our Lord, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Celebration of kings and priests, brethren. We have one God, one king. And we see the unity with the king and his son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes hard to differentiate. And his, his prayer is that we be one. There's a lot of question about, you know, what happens after a feast like this, as, you know, was well uh, done last night in, in the youth program. What do we do? What do we need to do? I would say, for me, personally, um, celebration of kings and priests, I'm going to first assure myself, reaffirm the fact that, yes, I am a future king and a future priest of God. Because the, the Bible tells me that. We shall reign with him. Am I right? Everybody agree? And so, one of the good things about success, you don't have to actually be holding on to the thing before you start to rejoice. Believe me, most, if you are planning a career, or even if you're just going through school and you know that after four years you're going to be such and such, you're not going to wait until you graduate before you start to act like a doctor, act like a lawyer, act like an engineer, act like whoever. You start to act before. Because this is how you identify yourself. And many, in, in many instances, whatever you want to achieve, Think that way. Walk that way. Believe it and you shall achieve it. I want to walk knowing that we are more than ordinary, that we are more than material, and that Christ who liveth in us has the power to do great things. If God has a work to be performed on earth, he has more than enough kings and priests in this hall. To get work done. And we all want to. Have that affirmation. That God is with us. And brethren as we go together. As we leave this feast. Let us leave with the unity. That Christ desires of the church. He says Lord. Let them be one. As we are. Thank you brethren. It was a glorious feast. Have a safe trip home. Thank you all. God bless.